Hello and welcome to The Scaling Edge. This is the Internet Talk program that focuses on the hard-won lessons. Battle-hardened entrepreneurs here to share their value with you. My name is Michael Brooks. I am your host. Max is here. Hello, hello, fellow entrepreneurs. Hello, hello, Max. Oh. Uh, we have Nicholas Manaki. He is the uh, advocate of AI that puts it in plain language. Um, and we're, we're happy to have him here. We're going to learn a thing or two. Nicholas, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here? Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Michael. I've been a serial entrepreneur since I was 25, so for the last 13 years. Um, I started my first company, my first real company, living in my van in 2010, traveling 16,000 miles across the country. Um, at that point, I, I had one of those little Verizon hockey pucks and had to uh, you know, use that for, for Wi-Fi. But I had a blog called usasurftrip.com and then eventually got into tech um over the years building apps and uh and bundle iq is now my fifth app that i've built and uh it's ai centric um, which we started in 2019 so we're a little bit ahead of the curve today's chat gpt's birthday and um we were building ai in december 2019 happy birthday chat gpt <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about bundle yeah, so I had been living part-time in San Francisco and in South Florida um, and basically was reading a book called Superminds uh, that was written by Thomas Malone, founded the School of Collective Intelligence at MIT. And it, the whole premise of the book was how do you combine humans and machines to work together to, to solve problems faster and leveraging each other's strengths. Um, and ultimately, I decided, okay, what, if, what would it look like to actually build a supermind? Uh, and that was kind of the premise of Bundle IQ was um, human and machines working together to solve problems a lot faster. Ultimately, act you know being able to make sense of information and and uh, sort of pair that into context uh, as it relates to decision making specifically. Okay, so how does it do that? So you essentially bundle up information. So you so if you're doing research, we work with a lot of researchers, scientists. We have over thirty thousand people on the platform that use it to help make sense of content. So if you wanted to, let's say, understand what, um, you know, uh, regenerative uh, stem cell research or something specific like that, you would go out there and maybe bundle up a bunch of white papers and journals and interviews and things like that. And then you can start to mine the data by saying like, um, I'm a scientist, I'm working on, you know, whatever, whatever. Help me understand like where there's conflict in this narrative as it relates to stem cells in uh you know the knee or something and it'll go into all those data sets and start to build a narrative and then show you um all the places on page 177 paragraph number four you know there's potential conflict as it relates to paragraph numbers you know four on page 133 of this other report so we make those connections and create those narratives for people that are doing research I mean, that, that's intelligent stuff. How yeah. can people, how can the, um, how can the business person that's trying to be getting an angle, getting an edge, how can they use a solution like that? Or how can they use that type of AI methodology to scale their business and their life? Yeah. So I spoke with somebody the other day that um, they do a lot of research around 
macroeconomics. Um, so for instance, interest rates, how do interest rates relate, you know, correlate to things in your life as it relates to maybe access to capital and your ability to get funding as a startup founder or something like that. Um, and so what you can do is you can start to, you know, basically take content from interviews from really smart people, you know, um, maybe, you know, like the, the, uh, all in podcast, compare that with like federal scaling edge is it yeah, scaling edge, you know, compare that with our greatest minds in the country. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So scaling edge, you drop maybe a bunch of YouTube videos in there and then you have like some, some content from the all in podcast and then you have the federal reserve, um, you know, minutes or, you know, whatever it is that they, they did, in, um, uh, you know, Jerome Powell or whatever he like makes an announcement and then you say, okay, now you say, I'm a startup founder. I'm at this stage of my life, blah, 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 blah. Like how do, how does this interest rate increase, like impact, potentially impact my ability to, to, to acquire capital. It's like, well, banks are tightening down. They're going crazy, blah, blah, blah. And it like actually gives you that narrative. And then it'll point you're to creating the your own, you're creating your own search engine data set. So exactly. you're like, look at this podcast, look at everything from this reserve federal reserve website. And I want to hear what this guy has to say. And then give me an opinion. Exactly. And it, and it'll start to build that narrative and it'll point to the actual pieces like, you know, in like this is where in the timeline of the scaling, um, you know, the podcast or what or the, the minutes um, from the YouTube video or whatever, it'll actually point you there and then you can watch it, you know, so it's like that's really powerful um, to be able to do that. And, you know, I've I've been thinking about this through my lens is like, you know, how do you strategically, how do you start to understand, you know, make sense of the world when it's so incredibly complex? I mean, there's just so much information at this point, like you can't possibly process it all. So in context, you know, we, we work with, we work with a lot of climate uh, related, like ESG climate related scientists and, and even um, urban planners and people like I live in South Florida, Miami has massive issues with this. And so if you're, if you're, let's say a sustainability director and you're trying to create a 10 year, you know, climate strategy, how, where do you even begin? The IPCC reports over 3000 pages long, not to mention all the data that you might have to consider as it relates to your local area, you know, so that's, that's kind of an opportunity that Bundle IQ can, can support you in. You're, you're, you're identifying your own trusted sources and then yep. blending them together and then coming up with a result. Exactly. So practical application aside, so is it just researchers that are using this or it's how, it's how a, it's a, used? a researcher archetype. So if you're if you're if you're in the mode of research, you may be a founder. You're not a researcher or not an academic researcher. Um, but you you have to start to make sense of like, you know, maybe the market opportunity, for instance. So you just bundle up a bunch of data that you can find on the internet around whatever industry you're in and you start to kind of build this you know meta analysis on this on this on this content and then you can build a strategy around that can you tell us about someone who is using it and how they how it's made an actual tangible numeric difference in their business yeah we have a life sciences um venture company uh the the guy i think he was the head of life sciences at blackstone uh, and formerly at Moderna, and they do a lot of research into companies to invest in. 
and they're not experts by any means, but they interview a lot of people to, you know, founders and, and scientists and that sort of thing. And they have a PhD researcher on the, on the team. So they use bundle IQ to make investment decisions. I was going to say, listening to you talk about the research, um, using something like that to do research, I could see hedge funds using it like crazy. Uh, I've got a couple of buddies that I'm sure would be jumping right into it. Really fascinating. Uh, I do have a question, and this is a little off the wall, um, but if you were speaking to the most intelligent personified AI, and what would you ask it? Like if there's <laughs> an AI person sitting right here and you wanted to know about anything, what would you ask? Um you know, it's interesting, like when you say that, when you say personification, I think of like people and I think of yeah. Ray Dalio, like a combination of like Ray Dalio and Elon I don't, Musk. <laughs> I don't think they're AI. They might they're, be. <laughs> they're not. But but AI ultimately is a mirror of like of us. You know, all the data it's trained on is the Internet. So we've put that out into the world, which is, you know, things that we've created. So it's it's not like this totally abstract, in, you know, being, so to speak. Um but in terms of a question, I, I would probably want to know, like, and this is sort of like the 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 essence of like AGI is like what is what is what defines AGI and what is consciousness? At what point are we actually there? And I don't think that we've been able to define that. Um, what defines artificial general intelligence, and when are we there? Yeah, exactly. That seems to be what everybody wants to know. Everybody seems to have <laughs> the hot question. topic of the day. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like if if it could actually tell us that, you know, it's like if your dog could speak, you know, like what is it saying? Uh, that's that's what I would ask. Like, can you <laughs> translate what my dog is saying? Max, what would you ask? That's that's something very interesting. I never thought about it. <laughs> it was only interesting if the question's interesting. All right. Well, you can I'll take to think about it. You can take some time. Um, yeah. I, I don't know the, I, I would probably ask, you know, at what point, you know, with humans, we, we can pick up on each other's energy. And that used to be, Hey, you want to meet somebody, you have to go look them in the eye, shake their hand. And there's so much body chemistry that you get a gut feeling about somebody that's breaking down. I mean, I've had people I've worked with for years and years and years, almost a decade. I've never actually some, some over a decade I've never physically met. Um, but I get care for these people deeply. How will AI or AGI ultimately create and evaluate bonds with individuals? How will they be able to size up someone's character? Um, and are there cues and is there is there ways of doing that that would make them, uh, and, and will that have any impact on the way they conduct themselves? I'm just kind of exploring those, those questions now. What do you, what do you think about that, Nicholas? Um, well, I think what you bring up is is a solid perspective because you, you you know as humans we 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 build on these micro moments and exchanges and you know maybe some of it's subconscious and ultimately it becomes intuition and that's where it's like okay you know what 
what separates us from the machines. You know, the machines are constantly, you know, bringing in these inputs and translating that into math. Um, you know, what, what does it look like to have enough context to really understand human connection? I don't freak, I don't know, <laughs> but the reality is, is it's, that's like the magic of life. You know, that's why we exist. That's why we, you know, jump on these calls and, and walk out our door every day is like to, to interact with people and ultimately be dignified in whatever it is that we decide is purposeful and meaningful. And I don't know that going back to the AGI consciousness thing, it's like, what does the chasm look like for artificial intelligence to experience that? I don't know. It's fascinating. I mean, these are fun conversations to have. I think at this point, trying to find a way to ask the right questions is is gonna is 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 the best we can do now. Right? Yeah, we definitely don't have the answers, but it is it is just getting swimming through all the possibility and all the uncertainty and getting to a. Uh, this might be a good question. This might actually help us understand what what the future holds for this. Um, what do you see as next? Speaking of the future, what do you see as next for 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 AI and how people will be using it to scale their businesses? You know, I, I think a lot about um, this uh, the time I spent with John Scully at um, over breakfast one day, and he talked about the derivative effects. And that's not something I've really ever considered up until that conversation. And it's like the 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 variables that we, you know, it's like what you put out there, and then you know, sort of the the things that happen as a result of the energy and your effort uh, collectively. And I'm I'm my hope is that that artificial intelligence will help us better understand the derivative effects of our of our efforts. So that we can start to get a little bit further ahead. Because what do you mean when you say the derivative effects? So I mean, like, you know, we we fund a war in Ukraine. What are the macroeconomic implications of that, and geopolitical implications that that will, you know, ultimately impact trade and all these things? Like, like if we were to model this out, you know, for the next. Decade. Wait a minute. You're <laughs> suggesting look at the economic impacts of wars that we get involved in? This yeah. Crazy talk. That's just crazy. It's about emotions <laughs> and moral standing and nothing else. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But you think about it, it's like it's it's mind-numbing to even consider what all these what I'm you know, what these derivative effects are at scale, you know, and that's where I think AI can just help us better just make better decisions period I, th I think there was a buckminster fuller quote that says something uh, to the effect of like we need to make better decisions fast enough to prevent extinction and that's ultimately like where i feel like you know being a millennial at least like that's kind of where i feel like we're heading <laughs> you know it would be so. nice not to be extinct but it's great <laughs> to get some decent rest um, but, uh, yeah, you know, if, if you look at the way we as humans make decisions and are herded into different things, look, we can use the war in Ukraine as an example, right? I, I tend not to take too much of a position on one side or another, but what if we looked at the macroeconomic effect and the effect of negative effect of potential loss of life and versus 
loss of land and what if there's a different way i mean uh don't not have to to dive i remember when ron paul was running for president and he was like uh they asked him about the civil war and the guy is so great but he's not a politician he's like it seemed like a lot of sense he's like the amount of money we spent on the civil war we could have literally paid all the slave owners to take their slaves and then send them back home or or pay to free them um and then made it outlawed it going forward but that way you're you're actually buying them out. And he's like, this is how much less it would have cost. And, and this is how much less cost of life. And you're like, yeah, but that's like such a part of our history, right? That part of our history was we needed that moral standing to say, no, we're, 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 you're going to die if you, if you're, if you're on the side of, if you're on the wrong side of this. Um, and thankfully we won, you know, that was, that was, that was, uh, well, I wasn't there, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but um, it, how uh, how that would shape society and decision making? I can't imagine we don't have some degree of it now. But if if we did, and it was open enough, I mean, right now when we decide these types of wars and we decide these types of big political decisions, they're very political. They have to do with optics politics is optics how people how things are perceived by the widest amount of people so that the right people stay in power and 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 benefit um i don't think it's all moral uh, i think most governments have corrupt elements in them conspiracy theorist right but if if we had an open environment to dump all this data in and spit out that result how would that shape public opinion where we go yeah well here oh, got a little thumbs up there from <laughs> that exciting uh we <laughs> dump in all the data points that you're talking about and we go here you go you don't have to listen to your favorite news station you don't have to listen to your favorite person or analyst we go here's everything that we know here's clean data and here's ultimately what the result of it will likely be regardless of our emotions and here's decision one, decision two, and decision three. And that seems equally, I mean, exciting and dangerous, right? Because it's so different than the way we're doing things now. But what a fascinating thing. I think uh, I think we should get bundled out there. <laughs> You're saying I mean, that we can get rid of fake news. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. But, no. but I, but I, but, me, they'll make more. There's <laughs> no end to that. But we yeah. could, we could, in an open environment, drop the right data, the 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 right data sets into an analysis and say, here's an open analysis that is maybe unbiased, that doesn't say, you know, this guy's bad and this guy's good, and we need to do this for that reason. And it's here's what's going to happen. And I would venture to bet that if you did that. And it was right consistently and open and visible to all and consistently right. That would be a very scary wake up. It may take a decade, but that would be a very, very, very scary wake up to the entire society of the world. Yeah, it sounds like you're talking about becoming more efficient. <laughs> let's, I mean, uh, let's start it bundle, <laughs> make it happen. Yeah. I mean that that that's kind of the idea um on a micro level. It's like there you can put 
data into uh, this system and you can start to tease out the contrast, the conflict, the, you know, the, the assemblance of narrative, the, the, the ability to like start to make sense of things becomes a lot clearer and a lot easier. Um, and that's ultimately the goal, you know, at least that's step one. And then step two could look a lot more like about what you're talking, you know, what you're just, dis- what we're discussing. Amazing. So Nicholas, if, if somebody wants to find out more about you, if they got to get their hands on bundle, where do they go? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you. It's bundleiq.com. And uh, yeah, you'll find everything you need to know there. <laughs> hey, Max, you throw that in the show notes. Nicholas, thanks for being a part of our program. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. This has been an invigorating episode. We appreciate it, and we will see you soon. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Bye, guys.